Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock. Today we're chatting with Brett Warren, who can do an inverted handstand push-up. Now, I think that's probably impressive enough, but to add to his resume, he's Chief Property Strategist at Metropole Brisbane. So we have a great chat about the Brisbane property market, and we have a look at the key drivers that were pushing the previous boom in Brisbane and see how close we are to the next boom. We also have a chat about property selection and a few strategies that Brett uses to help his clients. Here's Brett. Brett Warren, welcome to Geared for Growth. Thank you very much. Good to be here, Mike. Awesome. So let's um, let's kick off with who you actually are and what you specialise in. Sure. So I'm the property strategist at Metropole in Brisbane. Um, I specialise in property within the 10 or 12k ring. I've been uh, buying property in Brisbane for over a decade and we've probably bought more property than anyone in Brisbane over that time. So um, yeah, we like to think of ourselves as Brisbane specialists. Awesome. And we're definitely going to get into the Brisbane market and a, and a bit into your background as well. So yeah. the um, punters at home can, can get to know some of your darker secrets. What, what posters were on the bedroom wall as a youngster? Yeah, uh, I was actually a, an AFL football tragic um, back in the day. Um, right. I, I dreamed of playing AFL, so I had a lot of um, Gary Ablett up on my wall. Excellent. Yeah, I'm a big uh, Gary Ablett fan myself, or, or was. That was version 1.0. I heard he's cloned himself, and even that one's retiring. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, was, um, <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. So not a not a Brisbane Lions fan? No. Um, I, I moved to Brisbane probably about 15 years ago and um, was kind of over the whole AFL thing by then and, and fell in love with the Broncos. So now I'm a rugby league tragic. One, <laughs> one extreme to the other. There you go. So how did you get started in property and what was your first investment, Brett? Yeah, sure. It's funny. I always had a passion for property at, at a young age and um, I don't know whether it was friends or family I hung around with that invested in property, but my first investment was a small um, small apartment in uh, the, the suburbs of probably about 20 or 30 k's from the city of Perth. Um, and uh, Michael Yardney always says you should never get, you get your first property right because it it gives you, inflates your confidence and, and you think you're going in the right direction. So I got that right and, and right in front of the mining boom and did really, really well out of it. But then the next seven years, it did nothing because it didn't have the, the fundamentals we look for today. Right. Yeah. And that, that's not a, an uncommon story for people that, that do get it right with the mining boom. They get a, a big uptick. And then sort of what happens after that, it, it, it either stays flat for, you know, maybe in perpetuity or, or can drop very very heavily so we're, are we talking down sort of Mandura way that got a little bit of a, of a hiding in the in the four corners uh, episode recently yeah yeah no not quite probably about halfway between Perth and Mandura so yeah about, about the halfway point okay and um, so do you still hold that investment no no definitely not um, <laughs> it's it's yeah look it's it's funny because for a period of time there you, you do take it quite personally and you, you do get into denial and think um, you know, this has performed well, it'll happen again. And, you know, you, you don't want to admit you've got it wrong. But, um, you know, sometimes you have to walk away from these things, especially when there's other opportunities that are continually performing well. Yeah. And so um, in, in looking at other markets, obviously, we'll, we'll get to Brisbane. But um, you, you've been active, obviously, in, in WA. Where else have you sort of been in actively investing? Yeah, look, I try to invest uh, interstate as well. So there's, you know, not not Sydney as yet. I, I missed the boat there, unfortunately. But Melbourne, um, getting into those kinds of pockets, and just from our relationships with other um, the, the metropolitan Sydney and Melbourne as well, we get to to hear a fair bit about those markets too. Yep, 
And um, and you've been, I guess, involved in property for nearly two decades. You've you've got um, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of property transactions that have sort of gone through you. What what uh, what, what have you learnt um, in the time that you've been in property? Yeah, it's um it's quite a journey. Uh, you know, nothing nothing ever surprises you. I'll tell you that. But um, no, look, we've learned a lot, of, especially about the right places to invest. Um, you know, you, you learn your lessons from 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 people who are successful, and and try and add upon those lessons as well to to create better performing and you know better performing assets and things like that. Awesome, that's what we're all about. I wanted to get stuck into an article that you wrote um, recently where you were sort of talking about Brisbane's relatively subdued price growth over the last five years. I think we were looking at around about 20% or 21% growth in Brisbane compared to say 70 in Sydney and 40 mm. in Melbourne. Why, why, why has Brisbane been underperforming over the last five or so years? Yeah, it's a, it's the million dollar question, um, and I, could, I couldn't find a lot of research on it, so I ended up just going and doing my own research, uh, Mike. And what I found was was quite, you know, I'm a bit of a numbers man, so the numbers told me a story. Uh, yeah, obviously, we've, everyone had the GFC, and while the other states kind of recovered and and really blossomed from that period, um, unfortunately, Brisbane had the floods, and then uh, we had the mining downturn. So. Um, people stopped moving to Brisbane. Our population stopped increasing substantially. Um, jobs growth went went backwards, and wages growth also went backwards. So you know there was less people coming to Brisbane. Probably about half as many um, immigration went was cut by about a half, and and that reduces demand for housing. Um, and, and you just there's just not the the demand for the the properties that like you're seeing in the southern states that um, that really made things outperform. And and how did the mining downturn affect Brisbane compared to to say Sydney? I, I'm guessing that Sydney has, I suppose, a, a little bit more of a diversified labour market. It maybe didn't make the same dent that it did in Brisbane. Is is that fair to say? A hundred percent. Yeah, you're completely right. There's more dimensions to the economy there. Um, the other thing that people don't realise, although the mining boom did happen in the northern parts of Queensland, a lot of the head offices. Um, for the mining companies and you know huge GMs and, and managements and things like that, we're actually in Brisbane. Um, right. So that, that's that's a significant portion of our economy taken out as well. Yeah, and I, I suppose with um, with the, the the mines as well, and and this is something that uh, I mean I don't want to, to to bash mining too much, but they're, they're quite happy to completely shut a site down and make everyone redundant and just sit on the resources and wait for the fundamentals to turn around before they sort of ramp up again. So the, the, it is a, a pretty sort of ruthless game, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's that's a good lesson. You, you mentioned lessons learned before. Um, you, you certainly, uh, you don't want to be exposed to those kinds of regions where mining, you know, can just shut down at the drop of a hat um, and your investment can also go with it potentially, you know? Yeah, of course. What about um, tourism and, and Brisbane? What, what's been happening with tourism and, and what do you sort of see for the, for the next little while and how important is tourism to, to Queensland and, and Brisbane? Tourism's massive, Mike. Um, obviously, we've got, um, especially to the northern parts and you know even the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast to a certain extent, I think Brisbane's starting to move past that reliance, but there's still too much of a reliance for it in our northern parts and, and in particular the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast. Um, if you remember, probably the last five to seven years, we've almost been on par with the US dollar 
Um, so the tourism dollar hasn't been there as much, but we're starting to see that return to some normality. Um, tourists are starting to come back and, you know, the Commonwealth Games will, will help Brisbane as much as it will the Gold Coast um, and the Sunshine Coast because people will start coming back to Brisbane and now it's a lot cheaper as well. Just on that Australian dollar, I guess a, a low Australian dollar is, is good for, for tourism, but there, there are negatives um, with, with a high Australian dollar. Is, 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 it, is it generally better for, for the economy and better for property that um, we have that low Australian dollar and our, our exports are a little bit more, uh, I suppose, um, they're, they're a bit more competitive and we're getting that, that tourism injection as well? Yeah, absolutely. There, there are certain parts of the economy it does benefit and, and those types of things, the spending and money coming into our country is definitely something, particularly in Queensland and those, um, those areas that are volatile with, with tourism that, that they definitely benefit from. So just looking at that, the article that, that you wrote, it was um, talking about the difference in the numbers behind the last sort of boom in Brisbane, which was 2008. The population growth at the moment is now less than half. Net sort of interstate migration is even lower than that. Overseas migration is down. The employment, uh, the unemployment rate um, was actually a, a bit lower in 2008. Is, is this pointing to, to Brisbane remaining an underperforming market across the board? Yeah, that article um, was, uh, the, the results of that were, were pointing down towards 2015. So. From 2015 on, um, things are actually starting to turn around. I've, I've started to use the term green shoots because people are returning to Brisbane again. Um, you know, our interstate migration's picked up, probably because a little bit of affordability issues and things like that. Um, there's more jobs being created, um, slightly more. We're still a long way away from where we need to be. Um, and there's just more people coming to Brisbane. So some of those numbers have started to turn around. Um, but we're still a long way from, from those peaks and um, where we were in 2008. So the signs are good early, but you know, I think there's, there's probably a fair way to go yet. Yeah, and I, I, I see what you're, you're talking about with the article. Obviously, um, the last couple of years we've seen you know, lower unemployment and, and better sort of population figures. Is it just the case that the media jumped on Brisbane a little bit too early? Yeah, look, I think it's, um, you know, everyone's asked, asked the questions. The question was, why isn't Brisbane performing? And there's, there's no, been real no information about that. So, you know, the media probably has jumped on a little bit early and, and they'll probably stay there for a little bit longer until we start to see those jobs created. And, and jobs growth is a major part of it, as we talked about before. We need to replace our mining construction elements of our economy with more services and healthcare that are starting to happen and transition into that now. But it'll take some time for that to happen. Yeah, and I definitely want to have a chat about some of the projects that are on the, the agenda for Brisbane. I just yeah. to, uh, quickly wanted to ask you about wages growth. I mean, wages growth has been flat pretty much across Australia for, for a fair while. It, it, it hasn't really stopped the Sydney market, but is it having more of an impact in Brisbane, do you think, because perhaps there's less sort of speculation by those that have got a bit of equity to tap into and, and maybe that sort of pushed Sydney a little bit higher or is there, there more at play there than wages growth? Yeah, look, I mean, that's obviously one, one element, one key element. Um, you know, there's, when there's jobs and competition for jobs, uh, you know, and competition for... Um, you know, good, uh, good employees and, and, and people who are going to be professional and, and perform well for the company, that, that creates competition and, and drives wages growth. And when the economy's sliding and wages are coming down, sorry, jobs growth is coming down, that wage growth doesn't really pick up until 
um, you know, uh, the, the economy picks up and jobs start being created again. So I think Sydney's had a lot of that. They've still performed quite well. Their economy's ticking along very well. Um, and they've had a lot of wage growth where Brisbane's kind of gone the other way, unfortunately. Yeah. But you are pretty bullish on the opportunity for investors in, in Brisbane over the longer term. Obviously, you mentioned green shoots. What, what does it sort of hinge upon? Is, is there anything that we can see where we can look at and go, OK, well, we've, we've hit a milestone here, so things, things should be moving along. Like, is it, is it linked to population or wages or the dollar or is it just a mix of everything? Is there anything you can kind of point to where we can sort of, I guess, categorically say it's turning around? Yeah, look, there, there are a lot of different elements. The, the two elements I'm really focused on, the first one is the jobs growth. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we, we need to start creating jobs and there's, a, there's some really big projects that are on the horizon that will start creating those jobs. Um, and once those jobs start being created, that's when people start coming back to Brisbane. You know, you remember the, the articles back in 2007, 2008, where our southern, there's a thousand people from our southern states moving a week and people coming in from overseas and stuff like that. That happens when jobs, jobs growth occurs. So they're the two key things I'm looking at. That generally then leads to more wages growth, um, employment growth, and, and also property price growth, which is really what we're, we're about. The climate's really got to be a boost as well. I mean, the last time I was in Brisbane, I'd, I'd come from Hobart through Melbourne and then up to Brisbane. <laughs> Didn't pack a pair of shorts, but I could have could have been in them in the middle of winter. You know, what impact is is that a bit sort of facetious, or, or does that have an impact with with net interstate migration as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I heard a couple of good stories there about. Um, I think it was one of the guys suggesting that they they place an ad in the middle of Melbourne um, in winter where it's about six degrees with a nice sunshiny beach and saying, why don't you move to Brisbane? <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, no, look, that will play a part, you know, um, particularly with affordability and, and the weather and things like that. I mean, our climate is 25 degrees in the middle of winter all year round. So um, a lot of retirees are starting to head north as well. They're starting to cash in the chips from Sydney and Melbourne markets and move to the warmer climate. That was a trend happening 10 or 20 years ago and it's starting to return again. So, you know, we're also, statistics are starting to show that younger families, 28, 29 and the 40 year olds and stuff like that, they're, they're a lot more of the demographic that are also moving to Brisbane. So they're probably wanting a better future and life for their family. They don't want to be, you know, two or three hours from a CBD. They can kind of afford somewhere here, maybe 10 or 12 Ks where they can get better benefits for their family. Yeah, and I was chatting to uh, a CEO of a valuation firm in, in Sydney yesterday and he's basically saying that he's worried he's going to lose his kids to Brisbane just because of the opportunities in the housing market. So there, there must be a point where Sydney and Melbourne are a number of multiples higher than the median for Brisbane and that really sort of sucks people northward. Is, is, is that maybe an even more powerful driving force than the ability to, to get a bit of uh, sun on the shins? Yeah, most definitely. I think we're at two and a half times, which is almost the greatest it's ever been. So that's probably, you know, the sun's the, uh, the sun will be the ice cream, icing on the cake, I guess. But um, yeah, that, they're the big reasons that people move affordability. You mentioned about projects before. I've, I've seen the, uh, the new runway looks like it's um, well and truly under construction. What, what sort of projects has Brisbane got lined up for the, for the next little while? Yeah, look, this has got me pretty excited and, and a bit optimistic. Uh, we haven't really had this excitement probably since the mining boom, but um, starting with the airport, our three biggest employment hubs, the airport's one of them. Um, we're getting a second runway, so 
Um, that's going to create thousands more jobs. Um, it's really designed to open up that Asia-Pacific gateway as well because at the end of the day, Brisbane's the closest to, uh, you know, to Asia than Sydney or Melbourne. So there's, there's big opportunities there. Um, the Queen's Wharf project is another one. That's 12 football fields worth of development happening in our um, CBD. That's massive. Um, you know, so that's going to become a real lifestyle precinct. There's six-star hotels. There's a new casino. Um, you know, 40 food and beverage outlets. That's going to create, you know, more than 10 or 15,000 jobs once it's completed, and a huge amount of construction is going on there as well. Um, and then we're starting to see other minor employment hubs like hospitals and things like that expand. And I think 60 or 70 percent of the, the jobs being created in the next 10 years are going to be in healthcare. So, right. you know, hospitals and aged care are going to become a huge industry, and, and Brisbane's starting to prepare for that. Yeah. Okay. Now. We, we had um, someone jump on our Facebook page the other day looking for bargains in Brisbane. Um, we, can, we can talk about bargains or, or maybe have a chat about some of the suburbs that you're investing in and, and what some of the key fundamentals that you see in that suburbs have in, have, have in common. Where, where, where are some of the good places in Brisbane to be looking for, for good capital gains and reasonable yields? Yeah, so look, if we, if we start, it all gets back to the price point, but if we're starting for an entry-level home, a house, um, you're generally looking between, you know, five, 550 plus um, to 600, and you're looking between about nine to 11 Ks from the CBD. Yep. Um, and, and look, in those kinds of pockets, um, we look at wage growth. Um, a lot of the older retirees um, and low socioeconomic earners are moving out and young families are moving in, high income earners, sending their kids to the schools, it's got access to public transport, all those important things um, that are driving growth. They're knocking houses over, they're renovating, they're really improving the suburb and we're starting to see a really good flow and effect in those kinds of pockets because the fundamentals are there um, and now money is being spent and young professionals are coming in and, and really taking over. Is there a key sort of point, a uh, distance from the city where the, the, the values sort of are, are quite reasonable and then they sort of drop off just with accessibility to, to the city? What, what, what are the transport networks like in, in Brisbane and, and how far do you need to sort of go out before you, you start seeing you know, suburbs that aren't really going to get much capital gain? Yeah, look, we're obviously very focused on capital gain and, and for an investor, but, um, you know, there, there are some good suburbs around. You just start to lose the wage growth, the incomes, the closeness to employment hubs. Once you start to get past that 12 or 15K ring, Right. Um, the, we're not like Sydney or Melbourne. We don't have the sprawl. So a lot of investors actually make mistakes and they can still buy reasonably well in Sydney or Melbourne for 20Ks. And, and when you come to Brisbane, 20 to 30Ks, they're just areas you probably wouldn't invest in. They're not bad places to live, but they don't have those fundamentals I was talking about before. And the access to the CBD isn't as easy and employment hubs isn't as easy and consistent. Yeah. So with your in investors or, or people that sort of seek you out as a, a buyer's agent, do they have some sort of goals in common or is it very different reasons that they come to you? Are people sort of looking for, for cash flow? Are they planning for their retirement? Are they getting their first investment? Does it, does it vary or, or do you sort of serve the same sorts of clients? No, look, it does vary a lot, Mike. Absolutely. Um, you know, it does vary a lot. And it's, it's really about... You know, a lot, of, a lot of investors make the mistake of looking two or three years ahead and, and, and trying to time the market or trying to find the next hotspot or, or things like that. But what we really want to try and do is, is try and look, you know, 20 years ahead or 10 years ahead if you've only got that long. 
um, and, and work out where you need to be in 10 years and then kind of work backwards from there. Um, as I said before, the mistake I made, I bought in a good spot that went well for two or three years, but the next five years it remained fairly flat. And yep. if I'd have held that asset, it would have stayed flat. So um, that would have been a great asset for a two or three year period, but for the next 10 years, it, it hasn't done a thing. So we want that regular consistent capital growth, good access to employment hubs, strong demand um, in those kinds of suburbs as well. Is, is there sort of a mix where you're looking for sort of long-term growth fundamentals but also for maybe a bit of a sleeping market to get some, some sort of quick capital gains or do you prefer you know, a less speculation and, and more focus on the long-term positive fundamentals and positive drivers and I guess a market that has, has displayed you know, reasonable metrics over the longer term? Yeah, look, 100%. Speculations, there's a lot of risk involved and, um, you know, people spe have speculated a long time about different areas in Queensland and Brisbane with train lines coming and hospitals and sometimes they eventuate, sometimes they don't. Um, but it's really the tried and proven suburbs that perform well. And as I mentioned before, within those kinds of pockets, you can uh, find those sleepers where, you know, areas are undergoing gentrification, younger people are moving in and stuff like that. So there is that element. Um, the other thing you can also do rather than relying on the market to do the heavy lifting is, um, you know, undertake a, a simple cosmetic renovation or a harder renovation or a development um, where you're not just relying on the market to do the heavy lifting. You can actually add some equity yourself and yep. at the end of the day, widen your asset base a bit quicker. Yeah. And, and what tips would you have for people that are employing that sort of purchase and renovate and maybe revalue strategy? Is it is it easy to, to overcapitalize in Brisbane or do people sort of appreciate that the higher standard of, of finish? What What's the best way to make sure that if you're spending $1, you're getting $2 back in, in valuation? Yeah, look, I mean, for us, the, the, the bigger goal is actually just widening your asset base. So, you know, whether you're making, uh, you know, 50 cents or a dollar, um, it's going to be beneficial because you're going to be holding it for the next decade anyway. Um, yep. Ideally, it'd be great to make one for every two dollars, and and that's something we we can we can try and do. But it, it's not the the main purpose. The main purpose is to widen your asset base, um, increase the cash flow, um, and as you know, Mike, the, the depreciation benefits once you've renovated and things like that start to come back into play as well. So it becomes an overall um, better investment to hold for the longer term once you start to bring those other factors into play as well. Yeah, of course, renovation's pretty important uh, strategy for depreciation now, especially with the plant and equipment assets. You'll be able to to, to keep uh, keep all of that. But uh, over and above that, I guess there's also just the the maintenance expense and I suppose the the happiness and well-being of of the tenant. I mean, that sort of has to be priced into the investment as well, isn't it? Because the the, the damage that a, an unhappy tenant can do um, is is pretty it's it's pretty significant. 100%, Mike. And, and as I said before, if, if you're still buying in those kinds of areas where there are low, low socioeconomic, high unemployment, things like that, you really increase your chances of, you know, d destruction to your property, arrears for your property, all those types of things. Where if you're buying in areas, you know, 10 to 12 k's from Brisbane with high employment, um, the tenants don't really get a chance to ruin your house because they're at work all day. So um, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're the kinds of areas we prefer to buy in where there's you know good disposable incomes, rents are getting paid, um, and people are working hard and they don't have time to, to muck around there. So yeah, you, you're completely right. I wanted to ask you about um, Queensland. It's, um, it's a bloody enormous state. Yeah. And and I suppose a bit um, dissimilar to the US, where they have you know so many states and so many huge regional centres and and cities. Uh, Australia's a little bit 
more sort of unique in in the fact that for example in in queensland there's you know there's brisbane and the gold coast and i'm imagining a fair drop off for the next population uh center what, what um yeah. what does sort of brisbane have in common with some of the regional areas and, and and are they really sort of chalk and cheese in terms of the diversity of of employment opportunities and and that sort of thing yeah look i think they are at this stage um you know brisbane's a major capital city um, 70% of people that move to Queensland actually come to Brisbane because of the jobs and all those types of things. So um, there's more. There's not enough dimension to the economy. You know, if we use the, the, the Gold Coast for an example, and even to the Sunshine Coast to some extent, very heavily reliant on tourism and the weather and, and those types of things, um, you know, they'll, they'll perform well in, in, in patches. For example, the, the Gold Coast is performing extremely well at the moment, and that's generally led to led because of this construction of the the Commonwealth Games, and then once the Commonwealth Games comes in, the extra tourist dollar will benefit the Gold Coast, um, and it will perform well for a short period of time. But then, what happens when when that leaves town? There's there's nothing there at this stage to take its place. So, that's a little bit of what Brisbane's experiencing at the moment, to a lesser extent. Now, mining's left town, so we just have to um, you know find those areas that are a bit more resilient and, and quicker at recovering. The Gold Coast, um, obviously you say it's had a bit of an uptick, but it, it's at flat for, for about a decade, is that right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And again, that gets back to the tourism and, and other, other things that, um, that, that are really driving growth in those kinds of areas that, that, that we're just lacking. Yeah, and, and what, um, what, what sort of industries are, are the main employers in Brisbane at the moment? You mentioned that health is, is going to be massive. Uh, at the moment, but is it um, you know is it is it a lot of sort of finance and consultancy work or or, or who are the main sort of em- employers? What's our what's our typical sort of Brisbane tenant avatar look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, obviously, we're, we're, we've we've re- re-employed a lot of those FIFO workers that were working in the mining boom. Yep. Um, Mike, I'm sure you were here when you were here last time. All you had to do was look up and look at the hundreds of cranes in the skies to realise that they've been repositioned into construction. So that also will come to an end. But in the meantime, you, you're quite right. That that services industry, the finance services and and all those types of things, along with healthcare, that that's the next area that's going to really take up that slack and. And it's just transitioning into that our, our Brisbane economy into that in the, the shorter term. That's that's taking a little bit longer because of the there's no jobs growth and things like that. Yep. And what's what's happening in the market at the moment? Is there a lot of competition for for properties? Are you seeing overseas in investors? Are there are there sort of first homeowners that are coming back into the market? Who are you sort of competing against when you're sourcing property at the moment? Yeah, well, look, let me just first say it's obviously a two-speed market. Um, I'm sure that our listeners have read the papers and understand that there is an apartment oversupply and, um, you know, that's not too far away from being completed. And again, the only thing that's holding that oversupply up is our population growth. So that'll take up eventually. Um, But look, houses are performing very, very strongly, uh, particularly in that 10 to 12K ring, that entry-level area, um, 8 to 10Ks from the city. Um, You know, huge demand from... First homeowners, upgraders who are, you know, maybe living 15, 20Ks, uh, it's too far. They want to get a little bit closer to the city and things like that. And they're the ones that are driving driving growth at the moment. Um, there's a lot of, Brisbane's not, uh, you know, historically a strong auction market, but um, there's really good auction clearance rates um, tipping over 50 to 60%, whereas before they're generally around 30 or 40. Um, but we're quite often getting beating, beaten quite substantially at auctions. So, they're starting to get a bit more emotion creep back in the market as well. 
Yep. It's interesting you note that that houses are performing well as opposed to units. Obviously, there's the um, there's the supply supply problem with with units, which I, I imagine will be taken up uh, eventually. But just looking at the sort of year on year percentage growth on on Core Logic today, you, you're seeing units roughly half in terms of the capital growth percentage than than houses. How, how long do you think that that's that's going to last for? Yeah, well, that's good. That's a good question. I'm looking at the window now. There used to be uh, 20 cranes out there. Now there's only five. Okay. So um, the crane test starting... is, is telling us that uh, it's slowing <laughs> down. I've got my eye on the ball, Mike. So yeah, look. Um, <laughs> yeah, look. I think that they're saying there's about another 18 months of supply to finish. Um, you know, 12 to 18 months of, of projects, and once that's finished, it'll probably take another year or two to wrap up. So you're probably looking about the two to three year mark. Um, before that supply starts to be taken up and and things start to return to some normality. Yep. And are there other markets that you're you're looking at in in Australia at the moment? Are there any other sort of areas that you're identifying these same sorts of green shoots that um, that maybe aren't on the sort of media radar at the moment? Yeah. Look, um, you know, we're Brisbane experts, so we buy a lot in Brisbane. Um, yep. But the same fundamentals in Melbourne and Sydney. Now, even though their markets are, are closer to the top, um, there's still really good opportunities in in those kinds of areas. And those blue chip pockets, um, you know, of, of Melbourne and Sydney, they, they never really go backwards. They they always keep performing strongly. So, again, it's a bit boring, Mike. But uh, you know, that's where I prefer to put my money. I I don't want to really speculate. I want to look longer term, ten or twenty years down the track, and historically um, those are the areas that have performed the best and then there's no reason why that won't continue with increased population jobs being created and things like that yep and to what extent do you think that the market sort of trickles out from from the cbd so for example i'm guessing that there are opportunities in some of the outer suburbs of sydney that the the price growth in the city hasn't necessarily sort of kept pace within the regional areas is, is that something that you see in brisbane as well that the, some of the more sort of central suburbs will see the growth and then that'll that'll trickle out towards the outer ring yeah look it's good good question we're starting to see that a little bit already you know uh, probably uh, 18 months, two years ago, we we're starting to our entry level prices 550. We're we're getting as houses about six to eight k's from the city. Now we're finding that around nine or ten. So it is starting to creep outward, and, and that's generally how it happens as well um, with the process. So we are starting to see that here as well. So say for example, there's um, a suburb in Brisbane that someone says to you, "I'm interested in looking in in this area," and and in this weird hypothetical scenario, you've never heard of the suburb before. What 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 are you looking at as part of your due diligence? Is it is it purely about the numbers, or does it make a difference? The you know what's happening in the suburbs adjacent. Are you looking at you know proximity to schools and employment, or is it just you know yields that you're looking at or is it is yeah. past you know historical fundamentals how, 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 how do investors sort of do, do that due diligence themselves yeah we've got a bit of a checklist and obviously for an investor um, you know you, you want to buy somewhere where there's a high owner occupier percentage um, you know owner occupiers don't sell up if there's a downturn or something they're there for the long haul yeah um, we also monitor wage growth so we don't want people um, you know, who are, who are, I guess, live pay to paycheck to paycheck. We want people with high disposable incomes that aren't affected by interest rate rises and rental increases. They're generally happy to overspend and spend more on their properties. Um, we don't like buying brand new. We like established land with, with high land value. So, 
you know, 70 or 80 percent of a purchase price of a house, if that's made up of land, that's a, that's a very strong investment because land's the thing that appreciates at the end of the day. Yep. Um, so we want to make that the highest part of your investment. And then, like you said, we look for the twists, um, you know, uh, public transport, infrastructure, uh, school catchments, walkability, things like that. And and the suburb has to, has to have a good history of, of capital growth. And I'm not talking of five years or seven years, I'm talking over a 20 year period. So we need to know what happens over a 20 year period and if the suburb continually outperforms and also what happens in a downturn. Let's go back you know, to 2008, 2009. Did the suburb go back five or 6% and 12 months later it's back to where it was or did it go back 15 or 20% and we're still waiting for the suburb to come back? So they're the types of things we like to look at. Yeah. Awesome. And and are you happy to, to give us any of your secret herbs and spices as to the areas that you're active in at the moment? Yeah, sure, sure. Look, um, one of the areas we like at the moment is on Brisbane's north. Um, there's a real hub around Cherbyside that's starting to happen. Um, uh, it's starting to become a bit of a satellite city. It'll be a corridor and op- really open things up for Brisbane. But we're not buying in Chermside. Um, we're buying in Chermside West, which is actually right next door um, but it's it's going to be close enough to benefit from all this infrastructure upgrading and it'll become jobs growth with a mini cbd there's a hospital there all those things that brisbane have on a bigger scale those areas have on a smaller scale and and Shermside west we're just starting to see those wages transition from you know retirees and low socioeconomic into high families there's good school catchments green space uh, and we're, we're just starting to see people knock houses over renovate do silly things that owner occupiers do, and that's what we like to see when there's yeah. a turn of the suburb. Yeah. Okay. What about um? We you you mentioned sort of a bit further north, the Sunshine Coast and and places like that. Uh, are those sorts of areas more of a sort of a retiree type um, market where there's less sort of disposable income? You know, the cash registers aren't ringing as much, so there's there's less of a potential for growth, or or is there a big demand for some of those lifestyle locations, and, and does the Gold Coast sort of fit into that as well? Yeah, look, it's a, the first, one, first thing you said was right, it is a retirement destination, a holiday destination first and foremost. That'll start to change as well. Um, you know, Brisbane's still relatively affordable, but when it becomes not affordable, it's almost like the discussion we had before about you know, people being priced out of Sydney and Melbourne and moving to Brisbane, that'll eventually happen in Brisbane as well and they'll head to the Gold Coast and Sunny Coast. But I saw an interesting statistic during the week that put things in, into perspective for me and that's by 2030, the population of the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast will be in Brisbane, in Greater Brisbane. Right. So, you know, that, that really puts things into perspective for me and, and, and just how much of a, a bigger bigger economy and bigger player that Brisbane is. And will will Brisbane be able to to handle that? Obviously, there's a few spare apartments going around, but um, that that's a that's a huge influx of, of of population. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast populations are, but add them together, that's um that's a that's Brisbane bursting at the at the seams. I'm guessing. Yep. Are there going to be problems with with housing that amount of people? Yeah, look, uh, and that's where that, that, that spread starts to happen between that 15 and tw- all of a sudden 10 to 15 becomes 15 to 20. There's new housing out there. There's a lot more infill happening as well. So there'll be more apartments, there'll be more townhouses. Um, so there's a fair way to go before that happens. Um, but look, look, definitely, um, you know, the, the, the amount of work that's still got to happen is quite large. But more importantly, the amount of jobs to be created still got to be quite large as well. Yeah. 
Now you, you're dealing with with property investors all all the time. I'm interested in in some of the key things that people come to you with as as either preconceptions or or ideas or perhaps even mistakes that they have made or you can see that they're about to make. What 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 are some of the common sort of I guess misconceptions and and things that property investors get involved in that that you you sort of would advise against. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, look, a lot of people obviously want the same goal. I think 99% of people that come to me want uh, financial freedom and, you know, to live off a portfolio one day. Um, but the strategies they consider using are very different. So, you know, um, buying off the plan is very dangerous in, in most markets um, and most timing of the markets. Buying brand new is not ideal. Um, you know, again, you get that depreciation element, but um, generally you're buying in outer areas that aren't, aren't great. So, I mean, we had, we had an investor that was um, picked up from the airport in limousine and whisked out to, uh, you know, three or four hours from Brisbane to a suburb where there was nothing but dry dirt to, to be sold a house where the land value was probably worth 10000 and the house was probably 300 to build. Right. Um, cash flow is another one. Um, a lot of people make the mistake of, um, of chasing cash flow and... You know, at the end of the day, an extra twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year cash flow is going to be beneficial, but it's not going to change your life in ten or fifteen years' time when you consider tax implications and stuff like that. So, um, my advice is just you really got to look at your asset base and expand your asset base with high-quality assets. It doesn't matter how many properties you've got, whether you've got three or four or seven or eight. It's it's about the size of your asset base and ensuring that that asset base is working um, to to give you quality capital growth. There is a bit of an obsession with 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 cash flow and and obviously positively geared properties were, were pretty much in vogue. I guess pre boom when they were a little bit easier to find. To to me, I guess cash flow is important that you can sort of service your mm. investment properties. But why do you think people, I, I guess, are hung up on on cash flow over and above just just looking at enough to cover the oh. investment so that you can get those capital gains? Yeah, look, I truly think it's an education thing. Um, uh, people are focusing on the end game and thinking, well, if I can get $20,000 a year, I can get 10 properties. Um, you know, that's that's 200000 I can live off. But obviously, that's got to be taxed and, you know, fees and land tax and all that come out of it. So it ends up being about a quarter of what it really is. But um, I think that's the fixation. I think if they actually realise that they can grow an asset base a lot quicker and, and like you said, you know, rents in Brisbane are around 4% at the moment and interest rates are around 4%. So it's probably been the best time to buy a, you know, neutrally geared to slightly negative geared asset and, and not have those those huge costs, but still get that capital growth. And I think that's the mistake people make. Yeah. And are there a lot of people that are coming to you with um, with rent vesting strategies? Do you do much with, with sort of beginner investors? Yeah, look, more and more all the time. Um, and people actually don't haven't heard of the term rent vesting. They're actually doing it, but they don't know they're doing it, which is quite interesting because, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, uh, it, people are being forced into that. And um, sometimes people want to live on the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast and live that lifestyle. But um, I always say, well, look, rent where you want to live and, and, and invest where you're gonna, your money's going to work hard for you. You've got to treat it like a business. So we are starting to see that trend a lot more, particularly from, you know, 25 to 30-year-olds. Yep. And are they Brisbane locals that are getting in touch with you or do you do you deal mostly with people from from Sydney both rest, rent vesting and and investors in in general who who who's buying the the Brisbane investment properties? 
Yeah, look, mainly Brisbane at the moment. We're starting to get a few people creep up from down south as things become more affordable and they, they're priced out of those markets. We've got a better rental yield. But, yeah, we get a lot of the young guys, you know, work on the Gold Coast or work on the mines and things like that. And, you know, they just want their money to work hard for them, um, you know, uh, rather than putting it in a bank or, or you know, drinking it away or whatever they do, parting away. They want to they want to live in those lifestyle areas and, and live near the beach and stuff like that. But we just encourage them to invest their money wisely and they'll be in a considerably better position if they do that. And what about yourself, Brett? What sort of goals have you got in, in investing and, and what stage are you at? And I guess what does, what does sort of a successful investing career look like for you? You'll be messing about with your race horses or your CrossFit or whatever <laughs> it is. I, I saw a video with you and uh, Pete Wardrant the other day and uh, Pete certainly makes you look huge. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, no, look, um, look, I'm, my, my investing's always, uh, you know, always got my eye open. I'm probably at a stage where I've probably worked quite hard early on um, and taken the right advice from people to expand my asset base a little bit quicker. So it just gives you a few more choices that, you know, you can work out when you want to work out and and do what you want to do, which is which is a great part of it. And and you've got to find something you're passionate about. I think um, some advice I learned a while ago was to, to increase uh, the income streams you have. If you've only got a job, then you know you're probably going to be in ch- trouble. But if you've got a job and a business on the side and, and a property investment career or property investment um, portfolio, you know you're going to be more more chances of successful and and stuff like that. So I just try to expand my horizons and. And um, you know, get into as much um, much mischief as I can. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, what sort of mischief uh, mischief are we talking, Brett? We want to we want to, we can't leave without a little bit of dirt. Oh, yeah. No, look, um, I've got a passion for horses as well. So you know, uh, the guys in the office here like horses. So um, you know, we uh, we are obviously um, don't I don't not in the racing horses, but we we've got a young couple of horses that we train up, and we're looking to sell them off in a sale and stuff like that. So. It just allows me to pursue other interests, and it's good to have a distraction away from work as well. And um, obviously, um, got a lovely family that, I, that that keep me fairly busy too. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm always up to something, Mike. <laughs> good to hear. Now, how do people get in touch with yourself, uh, Brett, if they've got some questions or just want to have a chat about their uh, portfolio and and their investing? Yeah, look, more than welcome to. They can obviously get in contact with yourself, um, Metropole Brisbane uh, Brisbane Buyers Agent dot com dot au. Have a website that that, that we're on there and. Um, you know, you're more than welcome to, to contact me at any time. I love talking about property, so I'm more than happy to have a coffee and a chat and, and talk anything that anyone would like to talk about. Fantastic. And if we can leave our listeners with one sort of piece of advice, what, what's the key, the key takeaway that you'd like people to, to have or the key piece of information that um, you think will help uh, investors in, in their journey of, of increasing their portfolio? Yeah, um, my biggest advice, and if I split my career in two, um, is when I first started, I thought I knew everything as most young men do. Um, but it's not until I actually, um, you know, dropped the ego and actually learnt from people and, and took advice from people, treated my business, my property portfolio like a business, had mentors. Um, you know, the quickest way to a goal is to, to follow someone who's done it before and learn the mistakes and things like that. So especially in today's market, property's been a pretty forgiving asset over the last two or three decades. That's not going to continue to happen moving forward because of the way people are living and choosing to live and stuff like that. So you're not going to be able to cover up your mistakes as easily. So you can get there significantly quicker, um, you know, by, by learning from people and learning from systems that work. I think that's uh, fantastic advice, Brett. Thanks very much for your time. We we appreciate uh, you coming on board. No worries, Mike. Really good to be with you. Thanks for your time. Cheers.